0: Well, if you came here tonight not knowing that we were going to participate in the lord's supper i would trust that you have figured it out by now and every time we observe the lord's supper I, I not always but most every time i want to try to bring out another facet of what the lord jesus has done for us that is represented by this meal and so tonight i want to call your attention to hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15. hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 I love the book of Hebrews a group of men we studied it together a couple of years ago on Thursday mornings and it's a precious book so much truth Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 Here's what the Bible says Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood He Himself likewise shared in the same, that through death He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for the victory that You won for us at the cross that we just sang about. We thank you, Father, that through the cross, an instrument of death, you conquered death. And you made it possible for us to live a different kind of life from the rest of the world. I pray, Father, that you would impress that on our hearts and our minds tonight. Enable us to walk this evening, tomorrow, every day this week, as children of the King, who have nothing to fear in life or in death. Father, as we gather tonight and as we observe the, this thing that you established and that you directed us, every facet of it you called us to observe, Father, I can't help but think about our teams that are scattered around the world who are telling others about Jesus and his death tonight. And Lord, they're going to be working hard every day this week and they're going to be exposed to a lot of different stresses and pressures and different kinds of people. But Father, we pray that you would grant them favor with every lost person they meet. We pray that you would grant them a supernatural insight into what to say. And we pray that you would bear supernatural fruit through changed lives, people coming to Jesus this week. We pray that you would protect them, but we pray, Father, even more that you would use them and use them powerfully and fathers we pray for them we can't help but pray for ourselves that you would use us right here in our mission field in the same way that every day we would look for opportunities to shine brightly for you in dark places father remind us of the importance and the power and the beauty of the gospel tonight and we ask it in Jesus name amen in 1985 I was a young dad Um, only had one child. I really don't remember what that was like. Just one child. And not yet pregnant with another one. We were steadily expecting for a better part of 15 years. And, um, And Billy Graham came to Southern California while we were there and held a crusade in Anaheim, the Anaheim Stadium where the Angels play baseball and i had the i didn't realize how rare an opportunity but i had a rare opportunity to be a part of the uh, counseling that occurred during that crusade every night Uh, we had months of training sessions to become counselors for the crusade we had training not only in counseling but also in follow-up how to take a new believer and coach them and help them learn their first basic steps in their walk with god and each night, um, as I was a supervisor of counselors in my section, and each night um, we, would, we would go out on the field first. We'd be the first to move. And hundreds of people would come out of the stands. And if a counselor ran into someone that was uh, really having difficulty and they weren't able to help them, they would bring them to a supervisor. So it just sort of escalated. And we just saw men and women, boys and girls, in larger numbers, in one place than I think I ever have seen before or since come to Jesus. I remember listening to Billy Graham each night as he preached, and one of the things that impressed me was how often he talked to the thousands of people sitting there in the stadium about death. He talked very bluntly, very plainly about death. In fact, one of the things he said, not just once, but several times, he would look at everybody in the in the stands, and he would say, again, very bluntly, in 50 or 70 years, you will all be dead. Now, you can do the math. I don't know where you fit into that that spectrum. But he was trying to help every person understand. And then he would explain that although we would all face death, he he made it very clear that we would continue living either in the place called heaven or the place called hell. And... And he would say, when you were born, you were meant to live forever. And you're going to live forever. Every person here is going to live forever. But you're going to live forever in heaven or you're going to live forever in hell. And he would quickly explain how Jesus Christ, by dying for you and me on the cross, took our place, took our sins on himself and how God punished him in our place so that our sins could be carried away and so that we could live forever in heaven in the presence of God. And so there's a way to escape hell, and there's a way to go to heaven, and the only way that happens is through Jesus Christ. But everybody was made to live forever, and everybody's going to face death. Well, one of the things that this passage tells us is that what we're observing tonight, the death of Jesus Christ, that one of the things he accomplished through his death was to make it possible for you and me not to be afraid when death comes. That that's not something that you and I need to be afraid of. As a pastor for a long time, a lot of years, uh, approaching 40 years since I was saved and probably slightly less than that since I've been preaching. I've seen people react a lot of different ways when they receive the news that they had some terminal illness or that they were facing death. And quite honestly, there's no way to predict how people are going to respond. But nothing has impressed me more than when I meet a brother or sister in Christ who when they face death, I realize they are not facing it for the first time. That long ago when they trusted Jesus Christ, they faced death. And they absolutely were not afraid to die. Now that doesn't mean as a Christian if you're afraid to die that, that, um, that there's something about you that's going to make you uh, worth a double look by God when you die because you're afraid i'm just telling you that god doesn't want you to be afraid and it's not his intent nor his purpose that you face death with fear so he says here that that one of the reasons he died took on our human form is that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death and then look at this verse 15 and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage now why are people afraid to die well, I think there's, there's some pretty obvious things. If you had put all of your, your pleasures in this world, if everything that makes you happy is here and not there, well, you're going to fear death because death appears by every measure to take away everything that you enjoy if everything you enjoy is right here. It seems to, to threaten your happiness and appears to be a threat in that way. It's the unknown. It's the unknown. We don't know exactly everything that's going to happen after we die. You've heard what the preachers say. Maybe you've read some things in your Bible. But nobody has has been there here. If you have, you can write a book, make a lot of money. But but we haven't been there yet, and we don't know all that's going to happen. Even the strongest believer doesn't know all the details. But then if I just am afraid of the unknown, and um, uh, it can cause fear in me, it can cause fear in me that when I face death, I lose control. I'm no longer in charge. And even as a Christian, you may be a person that likes to maintain control and stay in charge of everything. And when death comes, all your plans have changed. As death approaches, everything you were planning to do, it changes. Uh, whatever it was that you hadn't done yet in life is not going to get done. And, um, and so it comes to you as a, as a threat, something you can't control. And then for some people who don't even know God, they're wondering if those crazy Christians might have been right. And maybe I need to to reexamine these things that my family's been telling me or my friends have been telling me about Jesus and about God. And so their fear may actually cause them to rethink their relationship to God. Now what's interesting in this passage, it says that the fear of death created a bondage in their life. It says that through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, now, what is that about? What in what sense is a fear of death? How does it create bondage in your life? A loss of freedom? How is that possible? Well, I think one of the things that I notice when I talk to people, especially when they've received a, uh, they have some advance warning that death is is imminent, is. Uh, is one of the reactions that I see is people don't want to talk about it. Have you ever seen that? Ever experienced that? They just don't want to talk about it. And and then not wanting to talk about it. Often they're continuing something that they've done most of their life. They haven't wanted to talk about it. And maybe they haven't prepared a will because they don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, I had a meeting this week with my parents, and we were going over some things for them. And uh, I'm the executor in their will. And and uh, my dad very plain spoken, and we were just talking about about those matters. Some people don't want to talk about those things because they don't want to make preparations, and they don't want to think about those things because it scares them. It's a kind of bondage, so they just don't want to talk about it, don't want to discuss it. And so this fear of death controls us. Maybe not even consciously, we're just in denial most of the time, and we won't discuss it. Sometimes this fear of death manifests in our efforts to fight aging. Now I'm not going to. I 'm not looking at anybody in particular, okay but but in our efforts to fight aging we we spend lots of money, we spend lots of effort to to um, to to try to preserve our bodies as much as we can in its original state. I was talking to somebody just a couple of weeks ago, and they said something, and i 've said it before, so this is not a condemnation but but I was talking to them about something they were talking about. They got to the doctor and they got some medicine that was really going to take care of them. And if they hadn't got there in time, and they, they might have lost their life. And they said, you know, and that's, and uh, so, you know, I'm glad I went to the doctor. It was better than the alternative. You ever heard anybody say that? Better than the alternative? And I wasn't being a smart aleck, but I, I genuinely had been, been thinking about some things that morning in my time alone with the Lord. And I looked at him and I thought, I was kind of puzzled. I thought, well, you don't understand the alternative. And uh, then they looked at me strangely, um, that I could consider that, that not living uh, here uh, might be superseded by something there. Um, when we're threatened with death, uh, we have seen it in church history, but we see it even today that sometimes when we, we completely abandon our convictions, we abandon what we say is important to us. When we're threatened with death, we'll do anything to stay alive. Uh, That happens often when people face persecution or threats. And they'll just say anything, do anything to preserve their life. Nothing is more important than staying alive. We avoid sacrifice to go and do things for others if it might be a threat to my life. If it might mean that I can't keep what I have, uh, do the things that I enjoy doing. Don't ask me to make a sacrifice. Why? Because my happiness here is the most important thing to me. And that's one of the ways it can manifest. So we give ourselves to self-preservation. We give ourselves to attention to our personal well-being. And it puts us in a kind of bondage. I'm not free to do the will of God. I'm not free to to follow him fully. I'm not able to stand and look someone in the eye who's threatening me, asking me to deny Christ or they're going to pull a trigger at my head. I can't do that with boldness because the fear of death has created a kind of bondage in me. And I'm I'm compressing a lot in just a few moments. But but hear me. It is not the Father's heart that you fear death. Now, now, who is behind this fear of death that creates bondage in our life? Well, the writer in Hebrews tells us who it is. It says that he himself likewise shared in the same in our bodies that through death he might destroy him, a person, a personality, who had the power of death. That is who? The devil. And so as we talked about this morning, I mentioned that you have three enemies to your soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and the devil's often pulling the strings on the other two. And that's exactly true in this case, that fear of death is something the enemy will use to keep you from obeying God, will keep you from trusting God, will keep you from walking by faith. The enemy will just like wag you around with this fear of death, and he'll manipulate and and do everything he can to separate you from God through fear and unbelief. The devil does that. So this passage tells us, and this meal represents, the fact that Jesus became as frail and vulnerable as you and me. Breathe the same air that we breathe had the same experiences that you and I experienced, tempted, tempted, felt those things, experienced pain, hardship, suffering, ridicule, injustice. We could just go on. He experienced all the things, a whole gamut of human emotion and feeling. But he says that he became a human being not just for those reasons, but so that in a frail human body like you have and like I have, that he could die. And through the very worst thing that the enemy can throw at you, through using that very weapon that the enemy uses against you and me, he might destroy its power and destroy him. When Jesus goes to the cross, he he is entering into a victory over death that you and I need to understand we have become full participants in that when we trusted him. He takes the worst in has, lets him do his worst. And one of the results of that is that we should not be afraid. No longer a threat. And that's part of the message in this meal. This past week we had a funeral service in this very room for John Martinson. You might have been there at the funeral. I shared that the previous week, I'd seen John um, on a Tuesday. He died on a Friday and went by the house. And John had a brain tumor that had taken away a lot of his ability. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. Um, He'd had a little seizure when they tried to remove most of that tumor last fall but much of the last eight or nine months, he had, he's been bedridden. And when he could see you, he could recognize you, when he would try to talk to you, uh, very few words would come out that you would recognize. It was kind of gibberish, but he was very adamant in what he was saying. And he was communicating, even if you didn't understand what he was saying. And, so, and then there were times where without any Uh, preparation he would speak with clarity words in the english language and you would understand him and but you never knew when that was going to happen but he was he was all there uh, right to the end and he knew who you were so i came in and he always smiled at whoever came in he was gracious gracious host as you can be when you're confined to a bed and he would smile real big and um, i would take his hand and, and we would talk and you understand how that conversation went. And I would usually tell him about things that were happening at church, things that I knew he would have an interest in. Uh, that particular week, I told him about VBS and what was going on that week in Vacation Bible School. And, um, and when we got done, I read a scripture. I read a scripture to him. Before I ever would go in to see John, and usually before I go in to see anybody that's facing an illness like that, I asked the Lord for a scripture passage. And, And the Lord usually brings something to mind. And he did that here. Um, Here's a passage that I read in John 6. I want you to hear this. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. It's the last scripture I read to John soon as I was done, I, I said, now, John, let's, let's pray. And before I could pray, he, he was trying to get my attention. I said, what is it? And, he, and then he said, it was one of those rare moments where the words came out. He said this, I am not afraid. He understood Hebrews too, didn't he? He understood what this meal's about. He understood that God wanted us to be completely free of fear of death, because Jesus has conquered death for you and me. At this time, I'm going to ask our deacons to come and join me at the front. We're going to participate in the Lord's Supper tonight. If you're with us for the first time, you may notice that our elements are given out at the same time, so you'll receive... The bread cup and the the juice cup right underneath it uh, at the same time when you get it I want to encourage you to separate the two but wait we're going to all take them individually together and I'll lead us in that exercise okay as Paul talked about the Lord's Supper in 1st Corinthians 11 he says for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread